everybody, and welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for everything Michigan, football, basketball, and recruiting. Uh, just football today. Uh, no Isaiah either. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz on the phone with me. Uh, week episode eight. Our podcast is really moving along as we head toward the season. Our last podcast got, we're not going to talk numbers every time, but we'll say 7,500. Um, so we really appreciate the listeners and people giving us a try. Uh, we know that there are a lot of podcasts out there, especially Michigan sports. And so we thank you for listening to ours. We'll try to keep getting better and better. Quick plug, if you are a small business owner uh, or, or large business owner and would like to advertise, uh, we'd love to give our listeners an inside track on that. We probably will be reaching out for advertisements in the coming weeks. Um, so let us know. DMs are open at underscore Zach Shaw. Uh, at Tremendous UM. Uh, also can message us on our site. Anyway, this this week, last week, we kind of broke everything down. We graded each position group. Ended up being a really interesting way of previewing the 2017 season for Michigan. So this week, we're going to do another special segment. We asked people to give you guys a couple extra days in advance for this idea because it's going to be an all-prediction episode. Over 50 things to predict this season so that's going to help you guys understand what we think is going to happen obviously they're predictions but you know steve and i are going to run through break everything down um kind of with with an over under this or that fill in the blanks and after this show we're going to set something up so you can also play along throughout the season could be a really really fun way to um beat us or or see where you stack up and, and how much you know about Michigan. We also have a few questions about the na- nation and the Big Ten at large. So should be a really fun show. It might go a little long, but I think I think it'll be fun. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Thank you to everyone who submitted predictions. Uh, we got plenty. We are at no shortage of things to predict. So with that, we're going to go ahead and get started. Big Ten in national football landscape. First one, we got a one in Six, five chance of, of getting it right. Which conference will have the most teams ranked at the end of the season, Steve? Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm just going to go with the SEC just because it's just the way it always seems to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, really no, <clears throat> no need for much elaboration there. Uh, you know, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, uh, a couple other teams in there I'm probably missing. Uh, you know, Mizzou uh, might be a team to watch down there in the in the East. So, and, and Florida too, Michigan's first opponent. So I'm going to go with the SEC, uh, Michigan or the big Ten's pretty top heavy. I think, I don't know who's going to come out of the West, uh, outside of Wisconsin. It's kind of difficult to see, uh, or, or just bank on any of those teams being ranked, uh, at the end of the season. So, uh, I'm going to go with the SEC for now. All right. Yeah. Th- I'm going to go with the SEC too. I will say it's starting to change a little bit. I mean, I think last year, I believe the ACC had either as many or more than the SEC and the Pac-12. Now that USC is quote unquote back, um, they, I think the Pac-12 had five or six teams as well. I will say the SEC though. I think, I think they're a stronger conference this season than last season. They've had a lot of coaching turnover. And I think, you know, Georgia, uh, Tennessee, um, South Carolina, uh, I'm trying to think a couple couple other schools have kind of they had a couple down years I think they'll be better this season I think they they currently have six teams ranked I think that's probably how many they'll have at the end 
Um, but the Pac-12. I'll, I'll tell you what, I, Ole Miss though too. Uh, I know there's they're kind of the the uh, whipping Wait, yeah, boy really? <laughs> uh, of fans everywhere right now because of the sanctions and Hugh Freeze. But uh, Shea Patterson is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, uh, well, so I, I you yeah. know. And if it was based off recruiting, the 2016 recruiting rankings, nine of the top 25 teams in recruiting in that class were SEC schools. So you're talking nine teams should have some guys coming into being, you know, key playmakers. So SEC recruiting that year was especially good and the year before and uh, was also pretty good. So. Something to watch. Uh, we'll we'll move back to the Big Ten, then we'll move back out to the other conferences. The Big Ten championship game will feature blank and blank. I will go first this time. Uh, I don't think it's going to be especially close on, in either division. I'm going to say Ohio State and Wisconsin. Steve? Uh, it's hard not to feel that same way, uh, at least on paper right now. Uh, you know, Wisconsin gets one of the easiest schedules I've ever seen in my entire life yeah. this year. Uh, it'd be, I'd put it this way. If Wisconsin does not win the West, it'd be a massive failure. Uh, when you consider who they bring back and uh, you know, who they get at home. Uh, I don't believe they play Ohio state, Penn state or Michigan state this nope. year, if I'm nope. not mistaken. Nope. So, I mean, that's, you can't. They have that. They have the uh, Iowa schedule from a couple of years ago. Yeah, and they're a better team. And they're a better team than that Iowa team was, in my opinion. So, uh, Wisconsin's got to feel like a big bet, an easy bet to win the West. Um, and on paper, you have to go with Ohio State right now. Uh, on the you know behind a what should be a, one of the best defensive lines in the country. Oh my goodness! Uh, and, a, and a senior quarterback and three-time captain in JT Barrett. So uh, it's kind of hard to pick against those two teams at this point. Uh, you know, we'll have to see how it goes. The East definitely will be more competitive than yes, the West. So yes, opinion. yeah, I, I, I agree. I think there's a sizable gap. Um, another Big Ten question. Most improved teams, they asked for one in the East, one in the West. Uh, Steve, you can go first with this one. The East, I think, is an easy one. I think it's Maryland. Uh, Maryland ran the ball really effectively uh, with uh, Walt Bell, offensive coordinator, uh, really effective in the running game. I think DJ Durkin is in it. That's with a defensive minded coach and Durkin too. I think you'll see them take some, some steps forward this year. Uh, I don't think they will be the, uh, I expect Michigan to, to beat Maryland, but I don't think yeah. they will be the pushover. They have been the last two seasons West, a little bit more difficult. I, I mean, maybe, you know, Northwestern, uh, Clayton Thorson, uh, a guy, I think is somebody who's been kind of mentioned as a, one of those NFL prospects from a school that maybe people aren't talking about nationally uh, I say Northwestern probably in the West kind of slim pickings there um, disappointments I don't know uh, maybe Rutgers still in the in the East even mm-hmm. though everyone's picking them to be last I just think they're still going to be really really bad so uh, kind of a cop-out choice and, and in the West I'm a big PJ Flat guy. Uh, I really am. I just don't know if year one is going to be the the year in Minnesota. Um, Iowa, I guess, might fit the bill too. But so could here the thing: Nebraska could too. I think there's yeah. some people think Nebraska is going to be really good this year. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. You know, there's uh, is it Tanner Lee, yep. <laughs> uh, transfer quarterback. Some people are talking about him like he's going to be great. 
um, let's see it though, I guess, type thing. So um, the, the West is full of teams that could be potentially disappoint. I guess I could never pick Iowa as a dis- disappointment though. They just kind of plot along like they always do and uh, kind of usually end up second, third in that area. So I guess I'll go to Nebraska after talking about it out loud. Yeah, well, I should have mentioned uh, this is a win-loss perspective, which changes my answer because I'm with you in the East. I think Maryland is going to be a much better team this season, and I think they'll be a re- solid team the next season, and I think Durkin's gone. That's That's my personal look at it. But they won six games last year, and their schedule this season, uh, I, I do not see that many more wins on the schedule. I mean, they, they you know, obviously Texas, um, and then their crossover games, they have a really tough crossover slate because it's at Minnesota versus Northwestern and at Wisconsin. And so you throw in that you also have to play the three powers in the East. It's very hard to look at this schedule and see six wins. You know, they have to upset somebody to do it. So I don't think that they win more games. I think uh, I'd probably give it to Michigan State. Uh, I think they, I, I don't see them necessarily being a great team, but there's no way they're going three and nine again uh, unless things really fall on the wayside. So they, they get the most, they have the most win loss improvement season over season. Uh, I don't know. Indiana's probably my second choice because I think they've got a lot of pieces, but again, just like Maryland, they got jobbed a little bit with the crossover schedule, so it's just hard to hard to see them winning more than six games, uh, either of those teams. In the West, I was going to say, well, I was going to say Minnesota. Then I saw that they had nine wins last season. I don't think they're improving on that. So right. I'll, go with, I'll go with Northwestern as well. I think, you know, Justin Jackson, Clayton Thorson, that's a pretty solid combo. I mean, when I did the position rankings... I remember a lot of them. I was like, wow, I guess it's it benefits Michigan that they don't have to play Northwestern this year because they've got, you know, they've got some secondary pieces that are really good. Um, defensive front seven maybe isn't that strong, but they've got they've got some guys and they're and they're pretty well coached. I assume they'll be a nine win ish team. Biggest disappointments probably from a win loss perspective. I mean I don't want to say it for sure because I, I think that they still could, but Penn State seems oh, to be, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and people have gotten mad at me because I'm too high on Penn State on our board, but I it, it just seems like they are a regression to the mean walking, you know, a dead man walking. I think I think they're sure. I think they're in that kind of position where I could see them winning nine games instead of eleven. I think it's really possible, especially since they have to go on the road. At Ohio State, uh, they have to go on the road at Iowa. You know, a couple. I mean, Michigan fans know how those go. Um, so it's they probably are. Uh, I think the standings will be mostly the same in the East, though. I don't think any team is due for a big drop off or a big ascension in the West. I'm gonna say Iowa. Iowa only won eight games last season, but I don't think that they are as good as the four other good teams in the West. And I think that they, I don't, I don't see them as a eight win team this season. I think Minnesota, I looked at their schedule. They've got a pretty nice crossover slate. I think they will be fine. I think it's going to be the same eight and four, nine and three. So, so that they've been, uh, and then, and then next year flex starts to take it somewhere. Anyway, our next one coach on the hot seat. We were just talking about this, 
one in the East, one in the West. There really isn't one in the East. I mean, unless Chris Ash, I, I just don't know if Rutgers is really going to grow impatient because are they really going to get someone better? And also, it's only been a year. But everyone else seems pretty happy with their coaches. I mean, D'Antonio is probably the next, the next best, or not next best, but next hottest seat. And then my choice in the West, uh, I think we're going to agree, Mike Riley at Nebraska. I mean, it's the same thing. Everyone is either just hired or a pretty good fit for what that school wants. Do you have any any disagreement there? No, I I, I don't see anybody in the East. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, maybe D'Antonio if you're really grasping at straws. Well, he's gotta, I guess he's got to uh, be like three and nine and four and eight or something. Like it's got to be like another bad bad season. Absolutely. Uh, and in the West, yeah, I mean, who you know. Pat Fitzgerald's not going anywhere in Northwestern. Kirk Ferentz certainly isn't. He'll coach at Iowa. I don't even know if I'll be alive uh, <laughs> at this rate with Kirk Ferentz is leaving Iowa. Um, and then you got, yeah, I, I, Riley would have to be the guy at Nebraska only because, again, Nebraska fans are used to 11 wins. Like yeah. they're, like they're used to winning big, not, you know, look what Pelini got. You know, Pelini got fired averaging almost nine wins a year there. I think it was nine and three uh, every year, yeah. That's <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's I guess, Nebraska's the one school I look at. Here's the thing. He's recruiting really well. Uh, Nebraska's recruiting better than they have in quite a while. So, you know, I don't know if they'll they'll be patient with him. Uh, I'm looking at our CBS Sports team, I guess you could call them, uh, with their predictions. Nebraska's varying from winning the division to finishing fifth. So yeah. <laughs> a lot of varying opinions on how they'll do. Uh, but Riley, yeah, I think there's a little bit more pressure on Riley than anybody else. Right, and, Everyone, uh, even the bad teams. You know, I mean, Jeff Brome, I think P- Purdue fans really like him. I don't know how Illinois yeah. feels about Lovey Smith, but it's only been a year. And, you know, Indiana, their their guy, Tom Allen, they really like him. I mean, even if they right. never are that great under him, I think they just like who he is. It's kind of like a like if Beeline went to a school that wasn't as high expectations like if Beeline went to like Nebraska and won 18 games a year but he's like such a nice guy and everyone really likes him it's that kind of situation so smooth year in theory uh for for the Big Ten at least from a coaching standpoint um I guess we'll see what happens you know teams can Purdue and Illinois Purdue and Illinois like you you can't like those guys got to get at least five years. Like you can't, unless they are like bl- blatantly incompetent, like Daryl Hazel was. You know, right, that's, which yeah. I don't see that. I mean, with Lovey Smith's one big in the NFL, there's no way he's not competent enough to run a college program. You know, so like, but right. but he's also not good enough to like just turn Illinois around in a year or two. I mean, you no, got to yeah. give a guy like that time. And yeah. uh, you know, I. I same thing with Purdue. I think Brome is going to be a really good hire for them. Yeah, and, I like uh, him. Yeah, street fight between the whistles and uh, <laughs> you know, just uh, you know that. I don't know. You know, I, I think a lot of it also has to do with the resources too. I think Illinois is maybe better set long term for you know to make a dent. Uh, maybe there'll be a year where the high school talent in Chicago is uh, you know particularly strong. Uh, it's one reason why Rutgers would maybe have a chance someday if they could put, you know, at least string something together as far as progress. Cause New Jersey is such a great state of football talent. Uh, it's kind of what Maryland's doing in the DMV yeah. area. Oh, they're killing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so 
that's what gives schools like that a chance. Purdue, I just don't ever feel the same. Purdue's going to be tough because yeah. there's not a lot of talent. I mean, in the Indianapolis area, maybe, but uh, you're competing against Indiana, but then you're still competing. You're Notre Dame, Michigan, so yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, let's let's break it out to to the outside. Most surprising and disappointing. We don't have to do wins losses for this. This can be broad. In the ACC, Big Ten. Well, we did Big Ten, ACC, Big Twelve, Pac twelve, and SEC. And I did think about these a little bit. Uh, I think I'll start out west with the Pac twelve. I'm a big believer in Willie Taggart in Oregon, and I know that's not necessarily going to be because they were only down for one year. Uh, I think. You know, he's very much, he's very similar to Harbaugh. I think, I believe Harbaugh was his best man at his wedding. Um, but if if it, that's not the case, they're still very, very close. Um, he's doing, he's he's recruiting better than even Chip Kelly was recruiting out there. So he's he's kind of got the program, I think, heading in a really strong direction. And I think that's one where the resources are there. That if they're in sync, you know, the, the resources, i.e. Phil Knight, and Willie Tagger, I think they can do a lot of really big stuff. I think Colorado's probably due for uh, a letdown. I think they lost a lot of talent, but they also haven't recruited. You know, like when teams don't recruit that well and they lose a lot of talent, there's a drop off. We'll talk about Michigan and what we expect from them later on. Uh, Big Twelve. I don't know. It's it's a smaller conference. I just a hunch. I think Texas improves a lot, and I think Oklahoma State, partly because they have to play Oklahoma and Texas and and all that, I think they drop off a little bit. I don't think they're going to be the number 10 team in the country as the AP voted them this year. Um, ACC, I think Louisville is due for for a let. I don't think they're going to sneak up on Florida State this year. I don't think that... I I I don't think that they're going to be quite as good. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna say Mark Richt's year two brings Miami. I'll predict them to make it to the ACC championship game without having looked at it. I think you know he's recruiting well, but also he is a good coach. That's a pretty winnable division. UNC and Virginia Tech are the only other schools with much of a pulse. So I th- I think them. And then who's left? The SEC. Biggest disappointment, probably Texas A&M. I think that kind of falls apart. I think Sumlin, I think once things start to teeter, I think fans are gonna. he's going to lose the fans and things are going to get really tough there. And then my surprise, uh, oh, Tennessee's my candidate for the other disappointment. Uh, I, I've heard good things about Kentucky. I haven't looked into it and like if they can actually beat some of the other teams. But either them or Georgia, as far as the most improved SEC teams, for me, uh, that give you enough time to figure yours out. Yeah, no, we'll. Uh, I can go right back from the top. We started with the Pac-12 uh, improvement-wise. Uh, I'm. It's hard to say. Colorado, Colorado's not going to improve, but I. I don't think they're going to fall off as badly as people necessarily think. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Not really a lot of elaboration there. I don't know a ton about most of these teams. Uh, I mean, just Washington, USC are class above everybody else right now. It's just kind of who's yes. in the middle yeah. of that mix. Uh, you know, Stanford's probably going to be up there somewhere too. Uh, I think Colorado will be 
but you, I think UCLA disappoints again, even with a healthy Josh Rosen. I just, I just don't, I just don't think Mora's that really that great. Yeah, I just, yeah. such a, they've been so underwhelming every year uh, in, under his watch while recruiting so well. Uh, you know, they've recruited really, really well for, for quite a long time. And really, I, in my opinion, been one of the most disappointing programs in college football the last five years. Uh, Rosen's great. I love him. I think he's a great kid. I think he's a great, going to be a great player. I just don't know if it's going to be enough. You're not buying uh, the Jet Fish hype? No, <laughs> I'm not. It's a, it's, think about, you know, it, I think Jed Fish is a great coach, but you know how it is with these last-minute hires. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as, like, trying to put a Band-Aid on a, on a gaping wound, you know, Michigan saw it when they, when they hired Doug Nussmeyer. I don't think anybody could have come in and fixed that Michigan offense and hoax last season. So I think it's a similar situation, uh, not buying UCLA. Uh, ACC-wise, I'm a big Justin Fuente guy at Virginia Tech. I think they quietly made one of the better hires in recent memory uh, with him. Uh, Bud Foster has always run an excellent defense, and I think Fuente is one of the best offensive minds in the country. I think Virginia Tech is definitely a team to watch, even though I think they lose their starting quarterback. Yeah, their new uh, guy, former Huron yeah. River Rat, went, I think, winless in his first season at Huron. So, but oh, Josh that's right. Jackson, yeah. 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 Uh, Josh Jackson, yeah. right? Fred, Fred's kid, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a big believer in the way uh, in what Fuente's doing. Uh, I think Virginia Tech is going to be a, a, a school to, to be reckoned with in the future. I mean, obviously Miami is recruiting. So I think they have the number one class in the country right now. Yes. Uh, recruiting wise. Yeah. So they're not going to be going anywhere. Uh, but you know, while the Rick hire got a lot of hype and has been successful so far for them, I think the Fuente hype for, or the hire for Virginia tech has gone as much in the other direction as far as not maybe being talked about enough. Hmm. Uh, disappointment in the ACC. How about, Louisville's kind of an easy one, in my opinion, because yeah. you know I think they, a lot of people are just because they have Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't know. I'd have to go with Louisville. Uh, I don't think Jackson's going to be enough to carry them. Uh, they can't play any defense, and once they started playing teams last year who had legit defenses, they were able to kind of bottle up Jackson enough yep. to where he can overcome their lack of defense. So. Um, like I don't think they're gonna they're not gonna do it they're not gonna repeat like what they did against Florida State last year, which was uh one of the more better individual team performances of the season. So um where are we at now? The Big Twelve. Yep. Yeah. I'm I actually uh I'm with you on Oklahoma State. There are a lot there are people a lot of people are picking Oklahoma State to win the Big Twelve and to go to the college football playoffs. Yeah, this year. I maybe maybe I need to do more research, but I just don't see it. I don't either. Uh, you know, Logan Rudolph's a, a or Mason Rudolph. Logan's his brother committed to Clemson. Uh, Mason Rudolph's a really good quarterback. Uh, I know is it James Washington, really maybe the top receiver in the yep. country. Uh, but I, I just I don't see them as a definitely not as a national championship contender. And then uh, Etter, I, I I'm going to agree with you actually. Here's why I think Texas's defense is going to be. Really, they're really young. They're uber talented. I love Malik Jefferson. Uh, I love him. Loved him in high school. I actually had him as the number one. Did that come in? He is the number one ranked player in the entire country in that class. He's been great so far. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to turn it around and, and contend for the 
a conference championship at this point, but I do think they're maybe going to be better than what yeah. national pundits think. So, Yeah, one other team in the Big 12 I, I kind of forgot about, which might tell you why they're my second choice for surprise, is Kansas State. I think yep. they, I mean, obviously they're such a weird system where Snyder can do magic over and over, but, you know, they're, they're a team to watch. Um, Texas also, I mean, you mentioned they're, they've got young guys, but they're also the most experienced major conference team this year and that kind of they kind of remind me a little bit of when Harbaugh came to Michigan in 2015 it was like they've got a lot of guys who were part of some really good recruiting classes they just needed a refresh and they needed a coach to like make them play as well as they could so there's that all right dark horse college football playoff candidate we might have named a couple teams uh who's yours Michigan. Why not? Okay. Because um, here's the thing. I call them, I refer to them as, a dark, even though they're around preseason top 10-ish rank, I still call them a dark horse because my expectations overall are still somewhat limited. Uh, but I think they're a great pick for a dark horse. Uh, they get Ohio State at home. I think they have a returning quarterback who is underrated by the fan base and, and possibly nationally. And I think that enough of their players defensively played enough. To, I don't think, I don't think the acclimation period defensively is going to be as long uh, as it could be, you know, as it would be in other situations, uh, you know, so I, you know, defensive line is going to be great. I think two, that's why I was looking at two things, three things, actually defensive line should be one of the best in the country. The quarterback unit as a whole, I think, is way better than people are giving it credit for. I think Wilton is going to have a really good year for them. I think he'll guide that young offense along until they're accl- until they do get acclimated. And then just the coaching again. Uh, I still look at what they did in 2015 with the roster they had and think that was one of the better coaching performances that Michigan's ever had. Um, you know, with with. Uh, basically a throwaway from Iowa is what Rudock was. Uh, you know, I, I, I just, I think this coaching staff has, has established itself as one of the best in the country. And uh, so I'd pick them as a dark horse. Like I said, dark horse, because right now I'm like sort of on the nine and three train, maybe 10 and two with the right break uh, in that regard. Not because I don't think, you know, I think that they're going to make it to the playoffs, but I do think they kind of fit, sort of what I would call a, a dark horse. Um, besides that, uh, how many are we, how many are we picking? Oh, just one, just one. Yeah. yeah. No, I guess Michigan would kind of fit the bill in that regard. Um, I don't, maybe Georgia, uh, out of the yeah. East and in, in, in the sec too, because you know, Jacob Eason has all the talent in the world at quarterback. Yeah, got and, a few five stars alongside him too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they're, one of the, they're another one of those programs that kind of seems to perpetually disappoint. I'm not a big Kirby smart believer, but they just have so much talent and the East is so winnable uh, for a program like that, that you get them in the SEC championship game against Alabama or whoever comes out of the, uh, out of the other side, the West. And uh, then you're basically in a one game, pl- you know, with the way that the college football landscape is now you're in a one game situation to get in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, I think Georgia kind of fits that bill. Yeah, I have another, the team in the SEC that was my choice, and I looked at their schedule while you were discussing Michigan, and I 
I'm tempted to back off on it, but I probably just shouldn't because I'm looking around. I'm not seeing anyone that's uh, a better a better option but Auburn because you know you have Jarrett Stidham. That defense has actually been quite solid uh, for for quite some time. I mean, it's not they're not a program that totally fell off. It's just they they were just not quite good enough. And this year they get Alabama at home. They have a very friendly SEC schedule, as friendly as it can be. Um, you know, they 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 they're one of their crossover games is Missouri. Uh, you know, another one I believe is. South Carolina, but you know, it, it seems like one of those things and they get Alabama at home and we know how those rivalries can be. So I'm kind of, I'm tempted to say them because they I, I have think to, that's a fair, the problem is yeah. they have to win at Clemson. Um, yep. but I think that could be a winnable game since Clemson loses a lot of key players and all they really have to do. I mean, they have to win all the other games too, but you know, the big one is just if they can beat Alabama, They'll be right there, and they can probably get away with a loss or two if they beat Alabama just because of how good Alabama is and also because they'd probably win the SEC in that situation. So that's that's who I'm going with, uh, although I'm, I'm wary that they are having to play the best two teams in the country from last season. So we'll see. Uh, Heisman winner, who you got? It's probably Baker Mayfield. For Oklahoma right now, uh, could be Saquon Barkley. I just, you know, Barkley. Here's the thing about Barkley. I, I, I definitely think I think there's a, the argument could easily be made he's the best player in college football, but he hasn't really, outside of the Rose Bowl again, who SC had a was kind of a so-so defense though. Uh, he hasn't had a big big game against Michigan yet in his career. Really hasn't had a big game against Ohio State either. So uh, I think he's going to have to perform on the big stage. Uh, you know, before I can really anoint him in that regard, I think Baker Mayfield. He's been a finalist two years in a row, hasn't he? Uh, yeah. You know, I think yep. this might be the, might be the year for him. Obviously, they don't play defense in the Big Twelve. Uh, I, I think Big Twelve people hate it when you say that, but uh, <laughs> you know, they, it's the offensive statistics are more attractive uh, after a Big Twelve run. Uh, so. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Mayfield as of today. I don't think it'll be Sam Darnold. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Mayfield. I just think he's got a lot of he's got a lot of nice weapons. Uh, Mark Andrews, the comical looking back because he stopped listening to schools that wanted to recruit him as a tight end because he wanted to play wide receiver, and here he is now, probably the best tight end in the country. <laughs> will be drafted as a tight end, and really should have just embraced that from the beginning. Uh, and then Orlando Brown, another interesting recruitment who now is one of the best offensive linemen in the country easily. So he's got weapons. He's got people who can protect him. Uh, I'm going to go with Mayfield. Yeah, that's that probably probably is my choice. I was going to give a pitch for Jarrett Stidham. I think, I mean, he's such a, wow. he's such a, well, he's, he's got the eighth highest odds right now. Darnold one, Mayfield two. Lamar Jackson third, JT Barrett, Barkley, Browning, Francois, and then Stidham. So, you know, I think he's, what, 15 to 1 odds right now? I mean, he's he's obviously had situations where he can put up the numbers. Uh, we know the system kind of favors. I mean, you're talking Barkley. I think Penn State's got to be like a top two team. Like, they have to beat Ohio State. They They probably have to be in that conversation for him to 
win it. He'll be a finalist. But unless he's running for like 2,300 yards or Penn State's super good, yep. I have a hard time believing it's him. Yep. I think Francois, I think, Francois yeah. is an interesting. I mean, if Florida State comes out and beats Alabama to begin the season, which they very well could. Yeah. I mean, he's an intri- he's an intriguing guy too. I mean, I, I was really impressed with the way he played against Michigan for the most part. Um, yeah. Well, and he's only going to get better. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Like Jimbo Fisher quietly, Florida State quietly, right there with Michigan as far as so good at developing the quarterback too. Um, he's been doing it. Fisher's been doing it for a long time. So there's no reason to yeah, think he's got that two he number one picks, other... doesn't he? What's that? He's got two number one. No, just one number one pick. But sorry, I forgot where Cam Nobody Newton. Put his, he's put his yeah. last like three or four quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, so, I mean no, they, he is. they have a great, great track record, and and Francois. I don't know if he's as talented as Jameis Winston was, but he's not. At, he's not far off. No, he's right there. So. Yeah, that's. Um, I'm going to go Mayfield. I just wanted to bring up a couple of candidates I was thinking about. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Darnold either. I. I mean, I'm sure he'll be very good, but I think the system is really heading toward you got to be a dual threat quarterback, or you have to do something no one has done before, which is pretty rare. So final final one in the national landscape. Four teams in the college football playoff, three also rands, and your national champion. Steve, you can go first. College football playoff. Uh, I mean, as on paper right now, it's got to be Alabama. It's got to be Ohio State. Um, I'm not convinced on Clemson. Uh, they replace a lot. New starter. Deshaun Watson was so instrumental to their uh, to their success. I don't think Kelly Bryant is going to uh, – he may I mean, he may not even finish the year as their starter. I mean, they got some talent behind him. I know Hunter Johnson, the true freshman, has had a good start uh, to his career. But uh, uh, let's see, Alabama, Ohio State. I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with Oklahoma, even though I think Ohio State beats Oklahoma. I think that the Sooners rebound win the Big 12 with under Lincoln Riley. I don't really think they're going to miss much of a beat without Stoops. And then uh, – Number four, uh, boy, that's a tough one. Man, that's a really tough one. I think maybe Washington makes it back. No, not a lot. I don't think they're getting enough talk nationally. Uh, they bring back the vast majority of that team. Uh, Jake Browning, you know, you mentioned him in the Heisman odds. Another guy doesn't get talked about a lot. Washington just kind of sits up there in the corner of the country and kind of just does their thing. And uh, Chris Peterson, really one of the best coaches in the country. Uh, but you know, by any stretch of the imagination, I mean, no matter how what what way you cut it, uh, Peterson's been one of the best coaches in college football. Uh, again, on paper, it's hard not to pick Alabama to win it right now. As frustrating as it is for the rest of the college football world, uh, I think it's really hard not to pick them right now. Uh, Jalen Hurts should get much much better in year two. Their defense is going to be their defense as it always is. And uh, again, Bo Scarborough wasn't even healthy for the majority of their run last year. And uh, you have him, you have Damian Harris, you have Josh Jacobs, and then you also get to add the number one prospect in the country at running back in Najee Harris as well. So it's going to be the backup. <laughs> I know. That's what I mean. I mean, that's how loaded they are. Yeah. Uh, you know, Deshaun Hand was the number one prospect in his class. Uh, this will be his first year starting. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like they've just recruited at such a higher level than everybody else. It's just uh it's hard to predict anybody 
knocking them off their perch, at least on paper as of now. Yeah, it was so funny. I remember because when we were um, when we were doing the top 25 most important players for Michigan, Alabama has done it for a few years. I think they might have started it for our site. And I was looking up theirs just to see like what they did. And Deshaun Hand was like 11th on their team, 11th most important player. And it's like, man, that I don't even follow recruiting. And I remember that guy. And like he's such a you know five star talent and everything. It's like he's he's their eleventh most important player, you know. So it was it was kind of wild. I'm with you. I think Alabama and Ohio State are I you know I put money on them. I uh, I think Florida State. I I think they're going to be really really good. Uh, you know they return a lot. I mean they lose Dalvin Cook, but rumors are Cam Akers is right there. Um, and they also have a lot everywhere else. And then it's kind of, I, I think I'm going to, I was going to say Oklahoma. I've been, I've been kind of preaching for them all summer. I, th- I think they have the smoothest. I mean, th- there's not going to be a drop off. Bob Stoops is not, it wasn't like a weird firing thing. Like he's going to, he gave Lincoln Riley everything he needs to know. Um, but I was looking at USC's schedule. They don't play Washington. They have Stanford at home. I should double check that just to confirm. I think I think USC, you know, the yeah, Stanford at home in week two. Uh, and then Texas and but then beyond that, they don't really play anyone. At Notre Dame is probably their next toughest game. So I'm gonna go ahead and say them. I think Washington's in a similar boat. I think they might be undefeated entering the Pac-12 championship game. But I'm going to I'm going to go with USC as my fourth my first three teams out Washington um Clemson and let's say Wisconsin. I think those are the three teams that entering the final weekend will be kind of thinking like oh maybe this will happen, maybe that'll happen. My national champion well, I'll I'll go bold. It's hard to it's hard to go against Alabama. I'm gonna say Ohio State. I think because by the time they get to December, I think that they're gonna have figured out their passing game. I think they're gonna have figured out their secondary and their cornerbacks, and they were they're gonna replace those guys well enough. I think Kevin Wilson is something that is a piece that will kind of like Tom Herman put them over the edge a little bit offensively. JT Barrett figures it out, and we talked about it. Their defensive line, best in the country. I don't believe it's close. Offensive line will be up there. They return a lot. Uh, they still they have a couple question marks there, but I think they're going to be really loaded. And I think Urban Meyer has the metal, metal M E T T L E to go toe to toe with Saban. So that's going to do it for the Big Ten. We'll try to try to get right into Michigan. Thanks for listening through all of that. Um, hopefully you had fun. We'll start individual. Uh, we'll do these. These ones can go a little bit quicker because it's a less, little less analysis. Michigan's leading tackler. I'm going to say Mike McRae. Steve. I will agree. I think it's going to be Mike McRae. Over under. Now this one we might want to discuss a little bit. A thousand all purpose yards for Chris Evans. Uh, I'm going to say, over, I think he's a better receiver than maybe he was utilized last season because you've talked about it. And when they got him, they thought maybe he'd be a slot receiver kind of guy. 
maybe not a full time, but you know, some some sort of H back scenario. I think he gets it. I think he's Michigan's most electric offensive player since Denard Robinson. And I think that they figure out how to use it. What about you? Yep, I fully agree. And th- and for pretty much the same reasons you said. I think his uh I mean, we've said this pretty much every time we've talked about Evans yeah. that Michigan wanted to get him the ball badly last year, even though he was not fully acclimated to the playbook. Um, now he is. Yep. He's also gained some weight too. Um, again, I think you know, that's the thing. Like a thousand all-purpose yards, he can accumulate those against the cupcake teams that Michigan plays alone. Right? You know, it's not like and it's uh, only like eighty or seventy-eight yards, seventy-nine yards per game. Right. Like you, yeah, you yeah. Had mentioned that before. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think he gets there. Uh, and I do, I think part of it's on the heels of his receiving ability because I mean, he's good enough to where they could even, they could run a two back set and then, you know, split him out in motion and get him the ball. Yeah. I mean, he really is capable of doing stuff like that. So, yeah. uh, so yeah, I think he gets there. Okay. Lee first touchdown of the season. This is just kind of a drop in the bucket. I'm going to say, well, I probably should do the do the odds game. Khalid Hill. That's a that's a fair one. Uh, let's see. Play Florida. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Ian Bunting is gonna score the first touchdown. Okay. Okay. We've got one on him later. Be the, who will be the top three in sacks? Um, I think Chase Winovich because he has a real nose for the for the quarterback. I will say. Rashawn Gary, number two. I think he's going to have that kind of season. And then I'll say Mohurst, third. I'm sure I'll get chewed out for that by someone. Um, I just think the other two guys are going to have a lot of sacks. Uh, who's your top three in order? Do you think Winovich is going to lead the team in sacks? Softly. I mean, should I not? <laughs> oh, bold. No, no. I, I mean, I think Gary, so in order, I think Gary leads the team in sacks. Yeah. I think Winovich is second. Oh, yeah, you're right. I don't know why I put Winovich over Gary because we're gonna. And then, uh, yeah. Well, no, you're. That's what I was. I was. No, I mean, he's Chase's uh, pass rush really improved as the season went on last his, year. His so his per snap sack and tackle for loss rates were really high. But you're right. That's right. probably hard to sustain. I'm gonna switch Gary and Winovich. So Gary Winovich and then Hurst. And that's kind of where I was leaning. Here's this though. I mean, if Gary comes out of the gates as good as we think he can, I mean, he's gonna see more double teams. So yes, you know, yeah. Winovich could feast. Uh, on some more one-on-one work on the outside, so I mean, it's it's not. I wouldn't say it's impossible by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, uh, but I, th- I think it's hard to. Oh well, right. I I agree, uh, but I'm just trying to I'm trying to get your back a little bit on that one. But um, I'd say Hurst third, but I wouldn't sleep on maybe a Devin Bush or a Junior or a Kalee Hudson uh, being up in the mix there, just because yeah. of how often they like to blitz. And uh, we'll see though. Well, didn't a lot uh, didn't the last? I mean, because obviously Jabril was kind of a different viper than Don Brown usually has. But the guy before him was it Matt Milano out of Boston College? Didn't he have nine and a half sacks? Yeah, uh, it, no, yeah. they'll use him. And Hudson, yeah. Hudson's that kind of guy. So I, I could see Hudson being the third guy. He yeah. could really even be second, depending on you know how how they end up utilizing him. Yep. Who will lead the inter? Who will lead the team in interceptions and why? This is tough because. I would just say Lavert Hill, but if he's going to be like, like Jordan Lewis was not a interception guy. He was very much a pass breakup guy, which sometimes you just want. I mean, if they go after the interception and miss and it ends up being a big game, there's that. 
Uh, so I, uh, I'll say Tyree Kinnell just because I, I know he's going to play a lot. Um, I think he can get a lot of interceptions, but man, this, this is a tough one. Cause one, we have to, I mean, you know, David Long is assumed to be a starter, but you know, if he doesn't come out of the gate as well as he wants to, you know, there might be some, some change there. And then also you have to factor in who, who gets the interceptions versus who gets the pass breakups and who just doesn't get thrown to them at all. So I don't know. I'm curious. Who do you, who do you think it's going to be? Uh, I'm going to go with Josh Metellus. Uh, I, I think he just has a nose for the ball. Um, you know, one who I wouldn't write off actually, just because I don't think whoever leads them in interceptions is going to have like a ton of them is uh, Jordan Glasgow if he plays enough. I mean, you look at, you see it the way he, the way he played in the spring game. He picked off that pass, returned it. He's just very, he's very good in coverage. Uh, he's a very, I think he's a plus cover guy back there. Um, again, I think a guy maybe we're not talking about enough uh, as a whole. Yeah. I think they're going to be rotating some guys back there all year. I think he's going to see a healthy amount of snaps. Um, I wouldn't write him off. I just think Metellus is a ball hawk. I think he's a guy that always seems to find his way around the ball. You think about the block kick against Florida State. Um, I think he's gonna. I think he's another guy that could have a really nice year for him. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with him. But you're right, though. I mean, you're essentially we're projecting who's gonna be the two starters at corner, and you know, there's there's a lot of projection involved in in trying to pick that one. Blank has the best chance to be in consideration for this year's Mackey Award. I'm going to say TJ Wheatley because I, I think Ian Bunting at his best is is really good. I mean, he's, he's not he's not bad. This is not a knock on him, but I don't know if it's that complete tight end package that the Mackey Award might look for. I think TJ Wheatley at his best is the best tight end in America. Um, I don't know if he'll get it this year. I'm not predicting that, but I think he does have the best chance. This question's really about who's going to be Michigan's best tight end, I guess. Um, so I will, I'll say, I'll say Wheatley. I think him, you know, losing 20 pounds is really nice, but I think also him having the ambition to lose 20 pounds because anyone who has tried to lose weight, that's not an easy thing to do. You have to actually like mentally get over some hurdles as well. I think that's a really good sign that he is locked in and, and going to do some really big things this year. Yep. I agree. No real elaboration. He's definitely the one with the highest ceiling. Yes. So, yeah. Um, that's just that simple. Uh, we've touted him for quite a long time. He's bigger than most tight ends. He's faster than most tight ends. So, uh, and really, again, with that in mind, is the is the best potential as a being a plus blocker in that scheme too, which is going to have him on the field constantly. So, uh, that's my biggest thing uh, with him. I think I think he's kind of the, again. I'm with you too. Uh, we've said a few times, I don't think bunting is being talked about enough as a guy who's going to contribute this year just because Wheatley is so tantalizing. Yeah. Uh, but, but he is tantalizing for that reason because he's bigger, he's faster, um, and he's just got more potential. Well, and bunting, I didn't realize this goes to how little he's talked about. He was actually a pretty highly touted recruit, too. You know, it's yeah. Not like he Michigan was... beat a lot of schools for him when yeah. they got him. When they, Yeah. He had, I want to say he had a. He had Ohio State, he had Notre Dame, he had Oklahoma. I mean, he had Oregon, I know, was involved. I think USC had offered him, too. I mean, he was one of the more highly touted tight ends in that class, yeah. for sure. Will anybody have over 1,000 receiving yards? I, I say no. That's that's really hard to do. I mean, you have to be like this clear number one, and you have to be a pass-heavy 
offense. So I, I, I'll say no. You say no. Yeah, no, no way. All right, catches for the leading receiver, 50.5, so over or under. We don't have to say who it is, um, but that's, that's what, five per game, four per game? About four per game. Eh, nope. You say no? Okay. Darbo had 57 last year as their leader. I don't think there's another Darbo. I, I don't think anybody separates themselves to the level that Darbo did last year, in my opinion. Um, mm. I mean, Jake Butt had 46, too, but uh, I, I just... There's too many, too many guys that are gonna. I think are gonna get opportunities. Yeah. Uh, for anybody to really, uh, you know, seize it to that level. Um, we'll see though. I don't know if they do spread things out a little bit more. Uh, there's always the possibility. I just, again, just look at slot. I mean, you got Perry. You have McDoom is gonna get some snaps. Yep. We've heard good things about Nate Johnson. We've heard great things about Oliver Martin, true freshman. It's four Nate guys. Shanley. You're not supposed to have four you know, or five guys. You can say. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like again, I think I don't think all every one of those guys is gonna end up being a big contributor. But it's just like it speaks to how much depth there is and how much you know oppor- how much opportunity they may hand out to some of these guys. So. No, too many cooks in the kitchen. Okay, I'll say I'll say over because I think they're going to pass a lot more. So I think they'll have a few guys over forty, like two or three, and I think they're going to be in more games where the, it's closer, and they're actually going to throw to. I mean, because how many times last season were we in the press box and like by the second quarter our game story was written and they had no business passing the ball to Darbo or Cheston or Jake Butt really, other than just to keep things going. So I think they're in fewer of those games this season. I think someone someone gets over it. I don't know who. Um, uh, here, here's an interesting one. Blank is the reasoning some think Karan Higdon is the better running back than Evans. Uh, I don't. Durability. I don't know. I, I, I they want me. I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, you're probably asking the wrong podcast because we're pretty bullish on Chris Evans. Right. I I don't really know. Uh, I mean, I think Karan Higgins been a really nice, pleasant surprise yeah. for them as far as after you know, coming out of that recruiting class. But um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I've looked at Higdon as sort of the guy who's good at everything but not great at anything. Hmm. Um, he's got good vision. He's got good speed. He's got good size. Uh, you know, but, but I, I don't know. That's kind of a weird... Yeah, well, it's not like he's it's not like he's a more because I think the big knock on Evans is probably his size and whether he yep. can do it Maybe every down. Complete. Yeah, That's but it's Higdon's one ninety. You know, he's twenty pounds yeah. lighter than than Evans. I'm sure he blocks a little bit better, but yeah, I don't know. I I guess probably more complete. Have seen him, seen more of him. We've seen more of him game to game. Um. Another question they've is used him, they've used him in more roles, I think. He's but like he was used more as a pass blocker at the running back position than Evans was, right? Yeah. So, well, and a lot of that I was because Evans didn't know what he was doing. Exactly. I think he does this yeah. year. But another question, similar vein. Tariq Black, uh let's okay. So we're gonna the, the question is Tariq Black is ahead of Donovan Peoples Jones right now because blank. But we're also gonna combine that with another one who has more receiving yards, Tariq Black or Donovan Peoples Jones this year. All right, I'll I'll just try to knock this one out. Uh, I'd say 
the reports that insinuate that Black is ahead of Donovan Peoples Jones right now is more about because he's a better, he's a more polished route runner. That's really it. Um, and of course, that that's not a that's a great thing for Tariq Black. I mean, there's zero doubt in my mind at this point that he's going to end up having a productive career at Michigan. Uh, I think Peoples Jones, if you actually you turn on his film, not a real complicated offense that they ran at Cast Tech. It was more just like, hey, we have like a guy who's way more athletic than everybody else, so let's just let him run around on the field, and uh, we'll hit him. Uh, that being said, I'm I'm leaning more. I, I've been gone. We've gone back and forth on these two guys all off season, just because they're both seem like they're going to be great players immediately or be big contributors immediately. I think Donovan ends up with a more receiving yards this year. Uh, I just think he's more. I think once he catches his feet, I think once he gets takes the offense in, learns it, which he will. He's a very one of the brighter kids I've covered too. Uh, I think the sky's the limit for him. I think he ends up by the end of the season. I think he outpaces Black. Uh, but not by a lot. I mean, and, and Tariq easily could have more yards. It's it's one of the more intriguing questions, I think. Yeah, it is, and it's it's kind of, I mean, it's also one of those ones where it's like, eh, I mean, they're probably both going to be just fine this season. Um, I think another reason people, or not people, but the, the rumblings are about Tariq Black, head of Don Peoples-Jones. One, Don Peoples-Jones had a lot more talked about him before, but also Tariq Black's got, one heck of a catching radius. I mean, that's MGO blog. They've been gushing about him for months, uh, if I if I recall correctly. And I think, you know, because he's what six four, huge wingspan. I mean, you know, even bad throws are right to him because of what he can do. But yeah, no, I agree. I think they're both going to be just fine. Uh, I will say, um, I, I'll say Donovan Peoples Jones gets gets the edge overall this season. I think I'm with you. I think Tariq Black probably starts out a little bit more. Um, it, it would be very, very beneficial to Michigan if they both have freshman All-American type seasons, you know, 500 plus yards, because if one of them does, you know, the other teams can kind of game plan for it. But if they're both clicking, I think that's going to that's gonna be really, really, really tough for other teams to to do. Uh, speaking of freshmen, they'll stand out. Blank are the freshmen's, or uh, that was poorly, that was the wording on that was a little, little off. How many All Big Ten freshmen will there be, and who are they? I will say, jeez, that's a tough one. Yeah, it is. I, I'm gonna go bold. I think both Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples Jones are All Big Ten freshmen. I think, um, I don't know, really. There's gonna be a lot of sophomores that play. For Michigan, I don't know exactly what true freshmen will, and also what will, which ones will, in the sense of being all Big Ten. Ah, uh, I'll probably just keep it there. I mean, other guys that might, because we've seen we've seen guys that didn't start make. I think Rashawn Gary made it last year. You know, Aubrey Solomon could be that yep. kind of guy this year. Uh, Caesar Ruiz. If he's the really the sixth guy, he could. Um, I'm not sure if there's really. I mean, it's a, it'll be Every a good time. class, but it's it's hard to be all Big Ten because you know there's other schools where there are freshmen starting at multiple positions. You know, and they're like forced into the action. I don't know who you I, got. I agree. Uh, I'm I'm pretty much with you. I might throw Ambry. 
Thomas in there too. Oh the yeah, that's a good one. Here's yeah. the biggest reason why the departure of Keith Washington to me has led me to believe that Amory Thomas is having a better fall than maybe we've oh, been reporting. Yeah. Um, why else? You know, no reason for him to leave or for a reason for Michigan to speak to him about switching positions unless they felt pretty good about a couple other guys in the defensive backfield, right? So, yeah. Uh, and Amory. Man, between Ambry and Lavert Hill, I mean, we've heard multiple coaches in, Detroit, in the Detroit area have long said that both of those guys could have better careers than Jordan Lewis yep. did, which is Jordan Lewis hard said to it. yeah hard to take in uh, based on what Jordan did. Um, but I'd say strictly in high school, uh, as strictly as a cornerback, Ambry was probably better in high school than Jordan was. Hmm. Uh, Jordan's value. I always thought Jordan Lewis should have been a two-way player. I thought he was a great. He was an awesome wide receiver uh, in college as well. I always thought Michigan should have used him on both sides of the ball personally. But um, I mean, again, you're splitting hairs though. All three of those guys had yeah. awesome high school careers. Um, I'd say Thomas and Jordan and Lewis had better high school careers than Hill. Uh, but Hill's, you know, the biggest has the most size out of the three of them too, which I think is what maybe gives him possibly the highest ceiling. So um, I'd say, yeah, I say Peoples Jones. I say black. Um, does this include redshirt? Like, I don't remember how it works. I mean, if we're, oh, I'm just going to stick with yeah. No, let's just, just do stick true with freshman. True. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd say Peoples Jones, Black, Solomon, and I'm going to say Thomas. Okay, uh, my so you dark got four. horse. Okay, dark horse would be. So your Stuber train again. Well, Brad Robbins is going to be a freshman. Oh, okay. Too. But that's not my sleeper, though. No, yeah. I'm not going to go on the Stuber train. Um, I'm going to go with Ben Mason. Oh, gosh. Would they so, even do a fullback? Because they don't do fullback all Big Tens. Khalid Hill was mad about that. They're going to create <laughs> a Big Ten spot for Ben Mason. So You only um, brought it up so you could say it that way. <laughs> that's that's actually that's literally the only reason I yeah. said him. Although I do think he, it's clear that he's going to have an impact based on what Harbaugh has said. Uh, maybe a more serious candidate would be uh, Josh Ross coming in playing a lot of linebacker too. Okay, um, yeah, they're set at linebacker. Like you know, it's not a situation where it's like he's going to play a lot because they need him. But I think he may play a lot because they like him enough, and it'll they maybe get Devin Bush some rest. You know, because they're going to be. I think Bush is going to be blitzing consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you may see Ross spell him every once in a while. So yeah, uh, I'll go Josh Ross is sort of a dark horse. Don't well, plus I don't if Hudson's get, doing a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I could see that. I don't know if it'll be all Big Ten level. All right, we got some over unders. Uh, the first three, we're just gonna we're just gonna run through them because um, I don't even know if these guys are necessarily going to start. Um, Ian Bunting, thirty receptions, four hundred receiving yards. Five and a half touchdowns. I'll say under, under, and I'll say under on all three. I, I think those are kind of generous numbers for a guy who might not even start. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to agree. Okay. Across the board. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nothing against Pretty him. Just, just, that's no, a, not at all. A lot of receiving yards to go, go around. But, yeah. yeah. Um, Tariq Black, 600 receiving yards, six and a half touchdowns. So this is pretty par for the course for a freshman All-American. Um, those numbers, I mean, that's pretty consistent. I think I'll go ahead and say yes um, or, or over. 
this year. I was like, what does yes mean? <laughs> yeah. No, I'll take the over. And I think Donovan Peoples Jones will be right right in that company. I think I'm my my guess is that throughout the season they're relatively interchangeable. Um but six hundred receiving yards, six and a half touchdowns, what do you say? Ah, that's a tough one. I mean they had three five hundred yard receivers last year. Um three six hundred a year before. Right. So this is a tough one. At, with a, my first glance was like, no, no way. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm still going to say under on both, but if it was 500 and five and a half touchdowns, I might. I, right. I think that's that. I think those numbers right there are pretty close to what he may produce. I guess I'm just going to err on the side. I'm going to be a little conservative here and say slightly under. I mean, if you're picking over for touchdowns, you're asking him to. You know, Darbo was a team leader with seven last year, so um, again, it's just. Darbo was a senior. It's just really hard to predict these guys are going to reproduce what, you know, and Darbo's going to play consistently in the NFL this yeah. year too. Like <laughs> it's hard to ask these yeah, young kids are to like, be that reproduce good. that I will immediately. S- so. I will say though, I mean, you know, I, I mentioned this already. Michigan played a really high percentage of its minutes against bad competition last season in garbage time. And I don't think it'll be quite as much this season. I mean, it'll still happen, but I think there's going to be a few more games that are kind of like, Oh, we still need to throw to our go-to guys because how many? I'd be curious how many receptions in the second half of games last season Darbo had. Um, all right, moving on. David Long and Lavert Hill combined five and a half interceptions. I'll I'll say over. I don't really know, you know, what kind of interception guys that they'll be, but to have six combined between the two over the course of a season, I think that's. That's pretty reasonable. Michigan doesn't play a lot of fantastic quarterbacks. They get the interception machine in David Blau. Um, they've got a lot of teams with bad offensive lines. So I think I think there'll be a lot of pressure situations where they can get get some picks. I'm gonna go under again. Uh you know, Stribling and Lewis only had six combined last year. Uh Okay. We're not even 100% sure who the who the starters are going to be uh, yeah. as of today. So, uh, although, again, yes, we don't know, but these are the two guys that we've kind of felt like, even as, as intense as the cornerback battle has been, we've said consistently that these two guys were probably eventually going to separate themselves or that they were the guys the coaches want to separate themselves. Um, I'm still going to say under, though. I just, again, that's, again, asking them to re- reproduce what two All-Americans did last year um, is just very <laughs> yeah. hard to ask of these yeah. guys who have not played a snap yet. Although I agree in the regard that the defense should create a lot of pressure and they are going to play a lot of crap teams. So they could get it just for that reason alone, I guess. So, and, and interception numbers aren't necessarily indicative of like elite play. All I was going to say Jordan right? Lewis so, was not a picks guy. Absolutely. Jordan yeah. Lewis only had two interceptions last year. He was the best cornerback in the country. So it's, you know, it's not indicative uh, necessarily of good or bad play. So, um, but I'm still gonna I'm still gonna go with the under. Okay. Rashawn Gary sack record twelve or was it twelve and a half? It's twelve. Okay. Sack record over or under? I'm. This is one I'm gonna go over. Uh, I just think Hurst Monet will draw enough attention in the middle that Gary will get his opportunities. I also just think he's that good. Um, you could probably, my theme so far, I've been a little conservative. 
overall yeah. an individual play, but Gary's not one of those guys that I think that that applies to. Uh, I, I've been saying for a while, I think that he replicates what Taco Charlton did last year, if not super, like uh, surpasses it. I think Chris Wormley is going to be the bigger replacement in the, at the three tech spot. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with over on that. I do think he sets it. I just think he's that good. I'll say over too. I mean, we also have to factor in, you know, he, if he gets one sack per game, he'll be, he'll, he'll have it. So I think he gets it. I think you're, you're right. It's not like he's the only good defensive end or only good defensive lineman on the team. There's going to be a lot of other guys that can get sacks. I don't think very many teams are going to actually double him. Like I think Ohio state might be the only one maybe Wisconsin as well, but most teams can't afford to. So I think, I think he gets it. Cause again, if he has like one, three or four sack game, you know, he's already that much closer. Last one of the individuals, Wilton Spates over or under 2,550 passing yards, 25 and a half touchdowns and nine and a half interceptions. I'm going to say over under and under, um, Man, if he threw for more than twenty-five touchdowns, that would be that would be quite the season for him. I don't know. I don't know if Michigan's done that before, um, or if they have. It hasn't been by much. I think he's he's very good about not throwing picks. I think that's probably one of his best strengths. He only had two through his first nine games last season, and then he was hurt for a lot of the other ones. Twenty-five hundred yards, he should be able to reach that. If 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 we're handing out this many receiving yards and we think that they're that loaded in the pass catching game, 200 yards a game should be very, very doable. I think he goes over 3000. Um, I agree. Yeah. No, I'm with you across the board over, under, under, um, me through for 25, 38 last year. Like, again, I know they replace, they have, this is a situation where I am more bullish because I think that, but yeah, they throw the ball enough for him to get there. Um, yeah, I mean, that alone, plus he's returning for another season. You know, he actually right. knows what he's doing, plus less garbage time, plus more, well, maybe not more offensive weapons, but seems like a more pass a wider array. Game. Yeah. Could be a wider array. Again, I think Evans in the passing game, too, you got you to gotta, uh, take those stats into account, which I think, uh, you know, he'll be, let's see here, you look at last year, Evans... Yeah, Evans was there while Khalid Hill had 118 receiving yards out of the backfield, was the leader. <laughs> yeah. But he was the leader out of the backfield. I think Evans surpasses that easily. So, yep. uh, yeah, you add those stats into the mix. And, uh, yeah, over, under, under, uh, yep. under by a – I don't want to say by a significant – I think he maybe maybe throws for like 21, 20 or 21. And okay. I think he throws less interceptions than he last year. He threw seven last year. Uh, I think he throws less than that. How many less? I don't know, but I think he throws for less. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the I'm in the same boat. Uh, hold on, let me see if I can pull up single season passing touchdowns. It is in fact 25 is the record. Elvis Gerbach and Chad Henney each had 25. So hard to hard to imagine him getting that many. Plus, we know Michigan likes its goal line scenarios in the run game. Uh, all right, moving on to the team offense and defense S and P rankings, which is SB nations advanced formula for um, ranking units based on competition, non garbage time productivity in a few areas. Defense will be top 10 
Offense will be top 20 over or under. I will say under it's for reverse. the defense. It's reverse. Remember, under is good, over is bad on this one. Yeah, under under is, for the defense. I think they will be top 10 over for the offense. I mean, that's that's what they were last year. I, I'm sure they'll be a little different, but I think this team is, even with the turnover, I don't think it's going to become this offensive juggernaut, and I don't think it's going to lose out on its defense either. As long as as long as the coaches are the same, I, I think you're going to have roughly the same results, just marginally better some years. I, I agree. I'm under on defense. I think the losing starters number is so misleading uh, because yes. almost all of the guys that are going to play this year played si- outside of the cornerbacks, really. Uh, all these other guys played significant snaps last year. So yeah. uh, I don't think that it's going to take the defense long to acclimate itself. Um, offensively, I'm going to go over, not by a ton, but I do think it'll be over. I don't think there'll be a top 20 offense statistically. But well, That's hard to uh, do when you play the style of play. Absolutely. I agree. And uh, so it's, you know, I, I I'm gonna go over, but I think it's a I think the offense maintains its efficiency for the most part. Yes, yeah. Um, number of players with at least five rushing touchdowns over under three point five. Uh, I gotta say over. How many they they had like two guys with ten rushing touchdowns last season. So, um, yeah, I think I think they hand it around. Uh, you know, fullbacks, running backs. I think everyone gets gets a shot. And plus, they play... I mean, they had 10 rushing touchdowns against Rutgers. No reason to think that they... I mean, they might not do that again. But they've got enough teams that they can just... That they're just going to be running on. I think it'll be over. Um, I'll let you get both of these at once. Number of players with at least 500 receiving yards, 2.5. I say under. It's hard to do three. So I, I think two get it. Um, probably Jones... And Black, I mean, if Wheatley becomes this amazing tight end, maybe that's your third. But uh, for now, I say over on the rushing touchdowns, under on the receiving yards. Yeah, they're going to be spread. I think the running game will be even spread out a little bit more than it was even last year. Uh, So I'm going to say yes. Uh, I don't think there's any reason not to think that Evans, Isaac, and Higdon can't all get five touchdowns, uh, especially when it seems pretty clear from – talking to the coaches that all three guys are going to see the ball. So, and then of course he had Hill into the mix too. So, I mean, Hill had 13 touchdowns last year uh, overall, not just in the rushing game, but uh, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go over on that one. And then I'm going to go with, I'm going to, I'm going to with you. I'm, I'm going to go under on the receiver. I think, I think they'll get two guys that'll get there. I don't think they'll have three. Over under five defensive touchdowns this season. I'm gonna say this is not special teams. I was gonna say I think they'll have a couple of those. Um, I will say this is why you gotta do point fives because I probably right. guess around five. I'll say under. It's it's hard to do. You know I don't think they they don't have as many guaranteed pick six kind of guys in the lineup. I don't I don't know if they're gonna have a fumble rumble and score situation either. So I'll say I'll say four. So I'll say under. I'm uh, definitely going under. They scored three last year, but I don't see them getting more than five. Uh, here's the thing, though: only six fumble recoveries last year. I mean, they just they've not gotten the one thing. The one like 
uh, how do you say it, like dark horse, like kryptonite. Yeah. Or, well, it, it's fumble statistics are usually can be somewhat luck based. Yeah. Uh, they're due to have like a big fumble season, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, they, you know, like they've just not had a lot of recovered a ton of fumbles. And I just, that's something to watch this year. I mean, cause it, they're, like I said, as aggressively as Don Brown loves to play and as many athletes as they have on the field, uh, I think there's always a chance that they could force a ton of fumbles this year. It's just for some reason, they've never been able to, uh, to do it. Uh, on a consistent basis the last five or six years. And, I, you know, this is a, it could be an interesting year in that regard. I will still say under. Yeah, I mean, if last season's defense only had three, it's hard to imagine this season surpassing that by two. Uh, over under 11 touchdowns by fullbacks. That's, I, again, I think they're in just fewer of those, like, we're just going to keep running for this entire half situation, but that's one per game. I mean, Khalid Hill, I think, had 10 or 11 last season. Plus, you've got your guy. Plus, you've got Henry Pogey. So, I'll say I'll say over. What's the number again? 11. For fullback touchdowns? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Hill had 13 alone last year, so. He had 13? Uh, oh, my goodness. Well, he had he had 10, 10 rushing and three oh, receiving touchdowns. Right, right, right. Oh, that's true. Yeah, no, they love to throw. They love to uh, pop it out on and the edge gonna, to the fullbacks on some play action stuff. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll go with the over. Uh, you know, who knows though? I mean, it's hard to say that Hill's going to score thirteen again, though. So he I may, think that was an his, anomaly. Yeah, right. His touchdown guys, production uh, may like. Uh, even out a little bit or, or fall off a bit. I mean, I still think he'll be as effective as he was last year, but um, I'm still going to go over with Ben Mason being one of the reasons why. Yeah, okay, let's see. How many players rushed for 300 yards this season? Uh, this is tough because I think I think all three start, like the, the rotation does. I think the question is if, Others do. Cause I didn't realize this. Ty Isaac ran for 414 yards last year. Like he had, right. he had a lot of, lot of yards. So I'll say those three, and I will say, Khalid Hill gets his, gets a little bit more of an opportunity this season. Um, you know, if he can get himself into shape, they can use him in a lot of different sets. So I'll say, I'll say four. And if it's not Khalid Hill, then maybe it's a fourth running back or something of that nature? I'll say three. Uh, I know they had four last year, but I think I feel like the three-headed monster running the ball is more of a three-headed monster than it was last year. So a four, I mean, here's like Higdon, 72 carries, Isaac, 74, Evans, 88, and then Smith, 181. Uh, yep. I mean, does, does Kareem Walker do enough in fall camp to maybe – you know, be the guy that gets 72 like Higdon got last year as the you know as the fourth the guy with the fourth most attempts. Uh, I guess it would depend on that. So, would Harbaugh troll uh, Rutgers and put Kareem Walker in to get 100 yards right. in that game? Right. Nope. Well, he could. I mean, they could start him against Rutgers, right? I mean, it's yeah. like that's the, that's a, that's <laughs> one of the benefits of playing Rutgers is you could give Evans the the week off if you wanted to to, to rest him up. I mean, it's uh, you know, that's again one of the benefits of playing that team, but. Uh, I'm still going to go under. I think I think it's three guys, uh, but I think 
I think collectively the three of them average higher a higher amount than the top three did last year. Yes. Yeah. Well, and 30, 30 yards in a season is about twenty five yards per game, and then not that's not counting the bowl games. So anyway, designated fourth and one goal line situation: Khalid Hill, Ben Mason, Kareem Walker, or Rashawn Gary slash Mo Hurst. I'm a I'll stick with Khalid Hill. He's what I've seen. I don't think if it's if it's not broke, don't I, fix it. 100, I 100% agree. We don't really need to elaborate on that one. Yep. Why the guy, like we just said, he scored 13 touchdowns last year. There's no reason to go away from a guy like that. So um, I'm going to go with Khalid as well. Over, under, on eclipsing. Uh, this is during the eclipse, no pun intended. Last uh-huh. year's team sack total of 46. Now that's an interesting one because, you know, and I think about how many you know, I, I kind of pegged uh, Winovich as like a 9 or 10. You know, did we? Did, I think I said over for Rashawn Gary, so he's probably at like 13, 14. And then, you know, Mo Hurst, assume he can get like 8 or 9 or 10. And suddenly you're already at, what, 32, 33. And then we haven't even talked about the linebackers or the other tackles or the backup defensive ends. So... I I think they're gonna end up right in that ballpark. I'll say under just because it's kind of hard to hard to believe that they'll get that many. But I could very much see them getting over, uh, especially if those linebackers end up being as good as they are being talked about being so far this this fall camp. Yeah, I I agree. I, it's trying to look and see. I, I got the stats in front of me to see all the guys who did have sacks last year. Uh, I, you know, we're, I'm predicting Gary to have more than to possibly break the record this year. So that's already 12 plus, you know, and taco led the team with 10 last year. Um, again, with taco, the majority of those were in the second half too. So, you know, if Gary gets off to a hot start, who knows how many he could have. Um, I'm curious, since you have the stats there, how many of the sacks last season went to guys who were backups? Like how many, I mean, I know they're not going to rotate quite as much this season and the, and the depth is not quite there but like what percentage are we looking at that are you know be, going to be beyond the starting four up front i mean uh well winovich was a backup last year he had five uh yeah. so that's effective as heck um godin had one gary had a half monet had one um it was obviously it was mostly you know between taco wormley hurst and glasgow uh, you had about 23, 24. So uh, that's about half your, that's a little more than half your total right there. Yep. Um, you know, but here's the thing. Ben Gideon had four and a half sacks last year. I, I now, are we going to guarantee that Devin Bush plays, has a better year of football than Gideon did last year? No, but I do think that Devin Bush Jr. can beat that total individually, can yes. beat that sack total. I, I um, would agree, yeah. Right. McCray had four and a half as well. Uh, Jabril only had three. I would have guessed that he had more than that, but um, but he had three, you know. And then you get guys like Stribling had one, uh, Metellus had one, you know. Those are you know Metellus. I don't know, if, you know, maybe we'll see him run up and and rush the passer again as well. But um, that's a tough one. That's a really good one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go slightly under though. I just don't know if they'll have the divvy. Uh, up front uh, again I, I do i agree with you though i think it fully depends on how how the linebackers produce in that regard right because you know i think the defensive the the defensive line you can probably count on them for 30 
this season. And then if the linebackers, I mean, if they're if they're going to bring a combined, you know, 12 or 13, you're probably right there because you assume the secondary or, you know, you could assume one or two will come from safeties or from special packages. So it it really it really depends on that. Um, the three the three starters at linebacker were the only ones who registered a sack last year. So yeah, yeah. Keep that so, in mind too. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I think I think Klee Hudson. I mean, I think you're right. Devin Bush and Klee Hudson are probably a little bit more sack savvy. That this season, um, maybe not Hudson as much since he might need to go into the pass coverage. But you know, we saw it a little bit in the spring game. Devin Bush is just one of those guys who. Is very devoted, similar to Winovich, where it's just he's going to end up being right there with the quarterbacks. You know, either he's sneaking by or he's, you know, working his way by. Another interesting one about the defense: they were seven plus seven in turnover margin last season, eighteen takeaways, twelve giveaways. Which way do you see the margin going this season, and why? I, I can start. I mean, turnover margin has been very much an Achilles heel for Michigan. I mean, even like in 2014, weren't they, maybe it was 2013, they were last nationally in turnover margin, and and 2014 wasn't much better. And even 2015, a substantially better team, better defense, and better you know offense as far as cleanliness, and they still had a very perplexingly bad turnover margin. And so... So I think I think it gets better. I think the general culture is getting that way. I think Spate, we talked about him. He's very careful with the ball. Um, I don't think he's going to have a three turnover game like he did against Ohio State. Uh, and that that probably, I mean, you know, if he has two of those, they're plus nine already. And I think the defense, you know, I think there's, you, you lose Jordan Lewis. You hate to lose Jordan Lewis. But as far as the turnover margin goes, he wasn't really helping the cause as much as, another very good cornerback could. So I'll, I'll say I think it gets better, but man, Michigan has got to figure out how to how to make that margin better because you look at teams like Ohio State, their their margins like up in the like plus 20 a lot of seasons and stuff like that and that's that can be just such a game changer. Uh if if you can get like an, another turnover per game, especially in those close games. Yeah, I I think it goes, I think they have a better than plus seven. Here's the thing, though. I wrote about this like a couple months ago. Kind of weird, but Don Brown's defenses historically have not been massive turnover-forcing defenses, which one of the most bizarre, you know, the the aggressiveness that he likes to bring uh, with bringing blitzes out of nowhere and blitzing multiple guys and all the different sets and scenarios. uh, Amazing to me that his defenses haven't been more turnover-friendly. That being said, just too many athletes. I think they improve on it. I'm interested to see how much, though. Again, we've talked. We just talked about fumbles can be somewhat, at least recovering them, uh, can be somewhat luck based. Um, I'm interested to see how that goes because that can really be the difference. And again, for a young team that's you know not as experienced, needs to acclimate itself quickly. Uh, forcing turnovers could be the difference between a good and a great season for them. So. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say they I think they do do better than plus seven and I yeah I think Spate's improvement offensively is part of that, um, but it'll just be interesting to see about how much I guess because like I said, uh, 
you know, they're defensively, they've just not forced as many turnovers as they should, in my opinion. Just for, for our listeners, the top three teams in turnover margin last season, Washington, Western Michigan, and Ohio State. So there's there's definitely some proof there that if you want to win a lot of football games, you know, that turnover does matter. Clemson did not have a great turnover margin, but um, most teams that are good have good turnover margins. Michigan was 24th last season, so they, it's not like they were terrible at it last year, but historically last five, six years has not been that amazing, uh, but we both think it'll be better this year. All right, now we've got some got some broader ones. Tougher rivalry game this season, Paul Bunyan's Axe or the Little Brown Jug, Minnesota, or Michigan State. They're both at home. They both might be night games. I'm going to say Michigan State. I think Minnesota, I think they're really I think they have a better season and they might be a better team. But, you know, Michigan State's just got guys who take it so seriously or so personally. Michigan does too. But, you know, it's not like anyone who plays for Minnesota grew up waiting to for their chance to play in this game. You know, there's no no Bolo brothers, there's no Chris Fry, there's no, you know, I don't know if Lewerke necessarily grew up around it, but, you know. The I, Allens. Yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, exactly. It's just, there's so many people that take it so personally for Michigan State, which is good. This is not throwing shade at them because Michigan's the same way. I, I just think, and you know, I talked to Chris Fry over the summer in Chicago. He said every, when they do like bench presses, they do 11 reps with that 11th rep being the beat Michigan rep. And so anyone who takes it that seriously, I think, is going to give you a tough time. You know, Minnesota, I think, will be slightly better. But I think I think Michigan State makes that a game. I don't think they win. But I think I think it's something where Michigan maybe poop does a doo-doo in its pants a little bit um, because of how close it was. I don't just... I mean, I... I... No offense to whoever asked that one, but that's one of the worst ones. It's got to be Michigan State. Uh, I think that's people just wanting to try to crap on Michigan State after their tough season last year. So uh, it's always a game. As long as D'Antonio's there, at least, uh, I think it's always going to be a competitive game. Uh, again, same thing. I expect Michigan to win that game. I think it's, you know, Michigan State can have a real difficult time with all their losses. Uh, I mean, who's going to start in their defensive line, uh, you know, after all those losses that they incurred? Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, I just, but there's, I, yeah, it doesn't I, I matter enough. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could never sit here and say that the Minnesota game is going to be tougher than Michigan State game based on on the history. So, uh, so no, Michigan State by a long shot. Michigan's biggest blowout this season will come against blank. Well, Rutgers. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna say. Well, yeah. You probably gotta say Rutgers. It's at home. You know, Purdue's gonna be on the road. Air Force is gonna be a close game, even if Air Force isn't that good. Um. Yeah, probably Rutgers. It's a little later in the season. I, I I'd be curious to see if Michigan is looking into trying to get ready for some bigger games. Then, but you're right, probably Rutgers. Michigan will beat Ohio State this year because blank, and I will say because J T. Barrett suffered a season-ending injury. Huh. Yeah. Really. That's what you think it's gonna. You think that's what it's gonna take for him to beat him this year? Oh, dude, that team is so good. I think Don Brown. I think you know, outside of what a hiccup, I think Barrett had that one play, gained like thirty or forty yards. I thought 
Michigan did an awesome job against their offense last year. Um, yeah, but that was an I offense. Don, yeah, go ahead. Right. I think. Well, I know, but I think Don Brown. I mean, you know, they lose Curtis Samuel. Who, you know, it's, I don't. Yes, Ohio State recruits at a better level than almost anybody, but I don't necessarily think you just have another Curtis Samuel walking through the door. At least as a guy who's in his first or first year in that uh, in that position. So, uh, I I think it's because of Don Brown. Uh, I think he's their his de- his defensive scheme is good enough to stymie Ohio State enough for Michigan's offense to maybe put him over the top. Um, that's my opinion. I'm I'm not saying Michigan. I'm not picking Michigan to win that game right now, but I definitely a I think they have a shot, and b that's that's my reason why I think I think it's because of Don Brown. Okay, well that's that that is that is a noteworthy wrinkle uh, in last season's game is that Michigan was. I mean, I remember I was in the press box and I was like, okay. It might be time to start writing the game story. You know, it looked like they were going to be up more than two touchdowns. Like, it looked like they were going to kind of run away with it. Um, so, it's, for at least a time, they were really good. And then, you know, road environment and some offensive line issues caught up to them. But I think I think Ohio State's going to be really much better offensively. I know you lose Curtis Samuel, but, you know, Paris Campbell, Mike Weber in year two, um, the th- four top 150 recruits. I mean, their wide receiver core is very similar to Michigan's, and that's just so many guys who are so talented. Well, um, I agree. And the offensive and line... they're not guys either. Right, and the offensive line is going to be a significant step up this season, I think. think. So? Well, they return everybody. Pat Elfline left. Oh, yeah. The well, they return everybody else, Steve. True. But no, I, you're right. Maybe not a significant step up, but I think it'll be better. And no, uh that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, let's let's wrap this up. Uh, two and a half players named first team All Big Ten. Yeah, I think they. I think over. Uh, ah, I mean, cause I want to say Hurst and Gary, but then we're sitting here talking about Ohio State will have the best D line in the country. It's hard. To, I mean, I could see I could see Ohio State and Michigan splitting first team on the defensive line. Um, with those two, and then I don't know who the two would be for Ohio State. Sam Hubbard would probably be one. Um, after that, you just got to have got to be one other guy. Uh, could it be a tight end. Uh, whoever steps up out of that group, you know, whether it's Bunting or Wheatley or uh, whoever, uh, I think could be the third guy. Could, Mike McRae too. Mike McRae's an easy, uh, a potentially easy choice. Yeah, I'd, I'd put money on him. Yeah, you know, so it be, might be those three guys. Um, so uh, yeah, I think I'll say over. Yeah, I think I got enough. I'll say over too. I think Mason Cole, Mike McRae, probably at least one of the Gary Hurst, and then I mean they're already over, and then I think there could be more. I mean, generally the all, all Big Ten ones, not to slam in the awards or anything, but it's often like if you're one of the top three or four teams, it's going to yep. be a lot of your guys on the list. That even if even if it's not necessarily deserved, it's just like a bit byproduct of who people vote for. And let's see, Michigan's captains. I'll go first. Mason Cole on offense. I think that's well. Maybe it's not concrete with if Spate really took some steps, but he's a senior. He's got by far the most experience. Um, he might have more starts under his belt than the rest of the offense combined. I'd have to look into yeah, that. But but uh, and then I think I will go with Mo Hurst, Mike McRae. You know, I'm kind of almost 50-50 with them, but I think Hurst 
is a little bit more of a commanding presence, whereas Mike McRae is a little bit, well, maybe not. I don't know. No, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think I think Mike's Mike's always been a little bit more of a quieter guy. Uh, more yeah, of an, uh, at least in interviews he is. Yeah, type guy. Yeah, and Mohurst is also. I mean, you know, you want your captains to be leaders, but Mohurst is also going to be kind of like the face of the defense, yeah. along with Rashawn Gary. Whereas McCray, you know, we almost you, we took you a few names before you named him as an All Big Ten guy. I think he's probably got the best chance out of anybody. I mean. I'm not sure who, other than T. Gray Scales, who is concretely better than Mike McRae in the Big Ten at linebacker. Josie Jewell. So, I don't know. And Jerome then, Baker. He's up there. He's up there. That, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, it's a debate, but I think, I think McRae is very, very, very much in that top three Absolutely. or four. Yep. All right, here we go. The big ones that people waited an hour and a half for. Uh-huh. Michigan. Thanks if you're still with us. <clears throat> yeah, no kidding. Uh, I know a lot of people like break it up to listen to 10 minutes at a time or whatever. Michigan plays in the blank bowl this winter. I don't know. I saw a couple predictions in, with them in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, I could see that, I guess. I, I, what, 10, was it 10-2 and two maybe get them to a New Year's Six game? Yeah, um, or a really strong nine and three because they do have a tough schedule. And right, you know, I mean, Wisconsin made it. I know they played in the Big Ten championship, but you know, they had three losses last year. I'll say I'll I'll go with that. I'll go with the Fiesta. I mean, here's the here's the thing too. Michigan's always going to be a draw for one of those teams. So if Michigan's yeah. even sniffing and you know being in that range, they're going to get picked. I mean, it's just a fact. So um, I'll say the Fiesta Bowl. No idea who they'll play. Yeah, I'll say, I don't know, because we're about to do records, and I think, yeah, I'm, I'm with you in that same boat where I'm like 9-3, and three, maybe 10-2. and two. You could talk me into more, but you could also talk me into less if things really go haywire. So I will, I'll say the Orange Bowl, partly because a Florida Bowl, my family always goes to Florida every Christmas and New Year's, so that's always the the prime situation for me, so... Whether it's the Citrus Bowl, Outback, or Orange Bowl, I always want one of those. So I'll say I think Orange Bowl. Uh, I don't know who gets what draw in the New Year's Six. Maybe they try to move Michigan around, but I think I think they're one of the lower New Year's Six teams this season. That's that's my projection, which goes into Michigan's record. That's that's the ultimate prediction that people want. And also, you have to say, well, I know you hate the game by games, but Maybe a little bit of which teams they beat and which teams they do not beat. So I'm going to go ahead. I will say, oh, I really should have, really, really should have done this. I I will say 10-2. and two. I think they beat Florida. I think they beat all of the teams they're supposed to beat. I think they get the, the light scared out of them against Indiana and Michigan State. I think they have a bye week before Michigan State, so maybe not, not too, too scared. But... I think Minnesota also gives them a run for their money. I think Maryland keeps it close. I think that they do not beat Penn State at night in State College. I think that's... And I know it's hard to fathom, given how ugly that game was last season. And we talked about Penn State regressing to the mean. But I think I think Michigan loses that game. It was a lot closer in 2015. 
you know, in person than it probably should have been. I, I think I think at night at State College with a fired up fan base, tough tough to do. I we have not seen Michigan beat a good team on the road at night in a very long time. And then I think I think they can beat Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin. I think that's that that's the upset win that gets Michigan into the New Year's Six situation. Uh, I think Wisconsin has, without Cici, you know they're still really really good defensively. Offensively, I'm not totally sold on them. I mean their biggest strength is the offensive line, but I think Michigan's defensive line is right there. And if your biggest strength is kind of diluted. Uh, you're going to have a tough time against Michigan. You know, Jazz PV, Troy Fumagalli, very good players, but they did nothing against Michigan last season. You know, the quarterback did nothing against them last season. So I predict that it it's it's 10 and 2. I don't think that they're going to touch Ohio State. I, I think maybe it's close, but until I see something from one of these teams to suggest otherwise, I think that's a double digit victory for the Buckeyes. And then I think I think Michigan does win a bowl game this season. So we'll say eleven and two with a New Year's six bowl win. Yeah. See what the funny the question to me out of you know, you say eleven and two with a bowl win, but a, a loss to Ohio State would people if people weren't happy with that result, then they need to get their head examined. So but but they would still be upset about it. You know it. So um yeah, I'm. I've been sitting at nine. Same. I think most of us are all in the same boat. I've been sitting at nine and three or ten and two. I do think they beat Florida too. I wasn't convinced they were going to. If you'd asked me this a couple months ago, but with everything that's kind of happened since then, uh, yeah, all the chips kind of seem to be falling Michigan's way as far as how Florida's roster is shaking out. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, Callaway just, did it for me. Without Callaway, right. I don't think they have enough. Agreed. Well, they just. I mean, as we were recording, they just had two more players cited for marijuana possession. Are you kidding including, me? Including James Robinson, uh, true, two true freshmen. One of the uh, okay. one of them was the, one of them was the same one of the guys who was busted in the, the credit card thing. So yeah. I, not a guy who was going to impact. But James Robinson could have played as a true freshman, but he was a head case in high school. A guy that Florida really kind of took a chance on. So we'll have to see. So uh, how that goes? Because they sure. had three players suspended when they played Michigan last time. So you're talking like they're, they're going to yeah. average five suspended players. But yeah, at some point you're just gonna you just need more scholarship guys on the depth chart. Agreed. Oh, well. So I I'm going with Michigan in that game now, which I think is important for them. I think it's important for their young team if to is, again if the ultimate goal is to go to the playoff or to win a Big Ten championship. Yes, it's a non-conference game. Yes, it's the first game of the season. But I think beating a high-quality opponent to begin the year with such a young and talented team would be a huge, uh, a yep. huge springboard for them to begin the season. Uh, I, I don't. I just. I have a hunch against Ohio State this year. Like I said, I'm not picking Michigan, but I think Michigan's got a much better shot than than you do. Um, <laughs> I see where you're coming from, uh, but I thought you know, I mean. Last year was the way that played out was a tough pill to swallow. Um, I think the coaches are going to be ready and have the players as ready as they possibly could be. Um, I just, it's hard for me to pick them to win a big road game right now. That's the biggest thing. I mean, again, yeah, they came so close last year against Ohio State, um, but they still haven't gotten over the top. And uh, Happy Valley, uh, Madison, are, those are two places that even if those teams aren't that good, uh, it's really difficult to win there, especially Wisconsin. 
If Wisconsin not, made their game at night, I would chalk that up as a loss. But I think I think it's going to be a day. I think it has to be a daytime because it's so late in the season. Yeah, that could be. I it's still at um, Michigan hasn't done badly at Wisconsin though. It's it's Iowa is the the one kind of random yeah. school they've always struggled <laughs> with on the road. But um, I'll go ten and two. Uh, I don't. I'm not gonna. I don't know if they'll win their bowl game or not. I, it would just totally depend on who they end up matching up with. So in those New Year's Six games, you could end up. They they could end up rematching Florida State for all we know. If they say Florida State stumbles in the SEC championship game, for instance, and then all of a sudden you're playing maybe one of the two or three best teams in the country again. In, oh in a, in yeah. Six bowl. You know what I mean? Like one of those New Year's Six bowls can always be tricky because you may end up playing a a team that's way better than maybe where they're at. Well, so, the reason I, um, I say it is because, you know, a lot of bull winning is who's most motivated. I mean, they're going to have a lot of young players who presumably just went through a really good season and feel really good. But then, like, I think the, they're going to treat bull seasons kind of like a prep for next season, which obviously our predictions will look a little different that season. Um, So, I don't know. So, so did you say... I say ten. I'm gonna. Uh, I mean, I could just flip a coin, but I'll go. With, I still. I've been going. I went with ten and two on the last radio appearance I made, so I'll just stick with it for now. Okay. Um, again, I would say this though. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but if they do lose to Florida, then all bets are off, in my opinion. Yes. Not saying that they would. Not saying they would lose another or one of those games in between that they should win, but you know, I could be. I mean, if there's a legitimate chance they could go eight and four if they don't beat Florida. I mean, there's no far from a guarantee that they win either of Penn State, Wisconsin, or Ohio State. So, um, you know, so we'll just have to see. Well, that's our predictions. My goodness, thank you for staying on for for so long. A hundred minutes to get through around 50 predictions. Uh, but it was really fun. Hopefully, hopefully you guys got a lot out of that. Um, we will set something up for you guys to play along and to predict against us or weigh in on your thoughts on, on all of these predictions. Um, But for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Be sure to read all of our stories. We are really ramping up our coverage, heading into football season nine days away as we record this. Ramping it up. Check out our stories, michigan.247sports.com. Down the road, these will be shorter. This was a special one. We went long with that intent, uh, probably aiming for about 50 minutes moving forward. Anyway, this has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast prediction special hope you had fun hope you learned something and we'll see you next time